when I was a kid, we used to laugh at my mother during a thunderstorm because she would get so scared. So of course we were mean and teased her. Every time a clap of thunder exploded, she would cry out in Spanish, Jesus mil veces, or Jesus a thousand times, which for some reason sent us into gales of laughter. We told her that didn't count, that she actually had to say the name Jesus 1,000 times. You're cheating, we cried. And I remember one night, during a particularly bad storm, my father joined us in teasing our mother. Well, that got her mad. And she shot him a look and said, Ves la tempestad y no te incas. Which means, seeing the tempest, you do not kneel. transfiguration of Jesus Christ in today's gospel is like a thunderstorm. Terrifying, electric, impossible to ignore. It demands a response from us as Christians. For some, the transfiguration confirms our faith. We see the dazzling glory of God and kneel in worship, trusting that power to keep us safe and well. For others, this story sort of makes us laugh, uncomfortably. Not sure we believe it. Faith in God, sure, but in a comfort zone where Jesus is more good shepherd than shattering vision, more human than divine. Whatever your response to the transfiguration, belief or doubt, its message remains the same. This world hath not the final word. Where we crucify, God resurrects. In darkness, light will yet dazzle. And what we perceive as real is only partial, for there is more. Glorious, redemptive, loving. The transfiguration, frightening as it is, reminds us, don't give up yet. Hmm. On a side note, I have given up on our government, and specifically 43 Republican senators, and its ability to rule with any kind of moral or ethical decency or truth. I guess I sort of lost that hope long ago, but you know, you keep thinking that maybe this time, the shocking behavior of our president and his minions will slap them sensible. But no, I fear they're a lost cause. The tricky thing now for those who care about justice is to not lose hope in everyone. Hard as it is to believe, there are still a few politicians for whom right action is a guiding principle and caring for the least among us the main goal. If there is any hope in America being great, it lies not with those in power. It resides in you and me and all who shine their light into places where need is great and people need comfort and assistance. For every 43 instances of hypocrisy, for every racist mob, 
There are dozens of unsung acts of heroism on the part of everyday Americans reaching out to help another. We need to stop expecting any sort of light to shine from the mountain of Capitol Hill and look to the trenches for dazzling acts of kindness. I don't know that we will sway much from down here, but we might just protect our own soul from curdling into permanent cynicism. End of side note. I'd like to focus our attention this morning not on the vision of Jesus with Moses and Elijah, but on the three disciples. Terrified, they didn't know how to take in what they were seeing. Then Peter spoke his insensible words, so very wrong for the occasion. Let us make three dwellings to commemorate this moment, to honor you and these two men of law and prophecy. Now, whenever I preach on the transfiguration, I use a pet phrase to describe this all-too-human reaction of Peter's, one that we engage in, too. Stop trying to domesticate God. In other words, Peter is doing what so many of us enact in our faith lives. Because we cannot fathom the unknowable, we instead try to label it, to make a little dwelling for it, a house or a tent or a box in our mind where we can place the divine and protect ourselves as if God needed radioactive containment. We enclose God in boxes labeled reason or politics or denomination or liturgy or Christianity or mine, not yours. We domesticate God so that we're not inconvenienced or made uncomfortable by that glaring light. Convenience and comfort is why most of us won't take on a Lenten practice again this year. For those who feel that the past 11 months have already been one long season of Lent and you don't want to deprive yourself of anything more, I would say that's exactly why a focus on God is even more important in the 40 days to come. Lent is not just about self-denial. It's a time to recharge your soul in the presence of God, to let God heal you. That said, I cannot promise that letting God loose in your life will be a pleasant experience. When Elisha saw the chariot of fire descend from heaven to swoop up Elijah in its flaming ascent, the terrifying vision he saw also brought loss, for his mentor and companion of eight years had departed. He rent his garment in two with grief, then had to step into prophetic leadership on his own. The ascension of Christ likewise left the disciples huddled and hiding in their upper room, unsure of what came next, until the Pentecost experience brought an answer, again as fire descending from heaven, again with the loss of their freedom, 
and their lives. As Paul notes in his epistle this morning, for we do not proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. (laughs) Maybe God in a box isn't such a bad idea after all. I experienced something last night along these lines. Back in 1993, I was part of a local Madison, Wisconsin bar band called the Merkins. For nine glorious months, we played to sold-out crowds of friends and admirers, bluegrass funky music with pretty clever lyrics. I can honestly say that singing and playing up on a cramped stage constituted one of the happiest times of my life. By the way, this is why I keep bringing up having karaoke nights here at church. Last night, we had an online Zoom reunion of sorts, centered around one band member's 55th birthday. A few of my former bandmates are still in Madison, in new bands, still living lives of creativity, art, and community. They teased me a bit about being a priest, which is kind of understandable if you knew the kinds of lyrics I sometimes spat out on stage. But everyone on the Zoom looked so happy, fulfilled, drunk, too, but joyful. I couldn't stay long. This priest doesn't really know weekends anymore, nor Saturday night partying. I am no longer free that way. So I went to bed dejected, feeling like I'd missed out on the life I could have lived, the road not taken. I wonder if any of you have had such a crossroads in your life, a moment you regret not seizing, a path you gave up for the one you're on. For me, priesthood didn't really present itself as an option until 11 years after I left Madison. But when it did, it was my version of letting God out of the box. And many is the time I have symbolically rent my garment in two, or fell down terrified and wishing I could stuff God back into that cramped dwelling place. But the fact is, any sort of transfiguration necessitates loss of some kind, a sloughing off of the old mantle and way of life so that we can grow into our new one, becoming parents, Embarking on a career path, saying yes to love. There are no guarantees that transfiguration will make things better. But the time comes when sitting in terror of the change before you will no longer suffice. All we can really do is our best, trusting that God will be with us in ways both comforting and challenging. I suppose that's what we as a country need to work towards, a transfiguration, a shape shifting into a more just and compassionate America. Only God knows whether that will mean a sort of rending in two for a while, but we cannot continue like this. And it starts with each of us now, making this season of Lent matter in our own life, 
seeing the tempest all around us, it is time to kneel. Then get up and get to work in your own way. Discomfort, inconvenience, and all. Open the box and let God out. But don't just cry Jesus a thousand times into the storm. Step out into the storm and be Jesus a thousand times. Amen.